Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Courtney, how are you? I'm not loving this snow. I thought it was spring. We had a little bit of a tease last week-ish. And then yesterday I wake up and see my my, my phone. I'm looking at my an alert from the Twins being like, game's canceled today. It's postponed for whatever free day they have in May. I'm like, why? And then I look at my weather app and 90% chance of snow at one o'clock. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, but I knew what I was signing up for, mm-hmm. but I'm still depressed. Like I, I, I definitely am affected by the seasonal issues. Um, I have seasonal affect disorder. <laughs> Before we get into our draft simulations, let me ask you this question about the weather. When is it okay if you're a Minnesotan to complain about how cold it is right now? Because this is ridiculous. It's April. Like, Easter already happened. I should be able to wear pastels if I want to right now. Anybody <laughs> should. You can wear them too. White um, pants? No, because that's Memorial Day. Oh, Don't sorry. Don't you have any class? No. Winter white is still in, I believe, but it's Monday, April 9th. So you can't, you have, you have at least a month until you can pull off your white Bermuda shorts that I know you want to wear. Uh, I don't have any white pants or Bermuda shorts, but I just figured I would ask what. You know, the the standard is there. I I didn't I remember that it was Memorial Day and I'm sorry. Uh, I think anytime it's unseasonably cold, you're fine with complaining. If it's just regular cold, if it's January and it's three degrees, well, sorry, January, right? It's Minnesota. You live here. If it's minus 30, I think you're okay there. Or if it's April and it hasn't gotten to 40 or 50 degrees yet. Yeah, I think you're good with complaining. Yeah, I mean, I think that what what are we at right now? It's like 30 out. I mean, it snowed last night. Uh, I think I've seen some flurries flying off the, your neighbor's roof right now. Um, this has got to go. Like, it's baseball weather. I, it was opening day in Chicago. I, a bunch of my um, former colleagues and friends were tweeting pictures from Wrigley Field this morning as they were getting ready for their home opener. Um, wow. Like, I mean, that's just a disaster. It got dumped like three inches of snow last night to clear that stuff off. But that's what you expect in a way. I mean, I went to opening day as a kid several times where it'd be snowing or sleeting while opening day was going on. It was absolutely miserable. That's never been my thing, going to opening day. I have a rule anyway that if it's not going to be over 60 degrees at night, I'm not going. 
And sorry, I love baseball. Oh, God, you're one of those, like, baseball purists, aren't you? Baseball should only be played during the daytime. Okay, no. No, no, no. It's more of I'm one of those people that hates being cold and outside and trying to watch sports. So if you're talking about a a game that's going to be 48 degrees when the sun goes down, it's just a pass for me. I just can't do it. I want to go, and I love going. It's just too cold for me to stand out there. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm all about waiting until... June because May in the Midwest, it, from my experience, is a very finicky month. It is. But I asked Patrick Royce this, just kind of posing the question on Twitter the other day because I honestly don't know why don't the Twins do what the Gophers do and play inside U.S. Bank Stadium for the first you know month of the season? And I understand you know they're we don't know maybe the Twins and the Vikings hate each other. Who knows? And like what those relations are and you know standing true to you know wanting to build that stadium. And it's be I went for opening day. Um, Last Thursday, you did okay. The Mariners. It was beautiful. Um, we were right above home plate in the three hundred level, and so you're in the sun. No, it was in the shade. Um, which I mean, I was bundled up. I was looking like I was getting ready to go out for one of my like negative seventeen real feel live shots. But um, I mean, stadium's beautiful. I was really happy I did get to go and, and witness that. And I can't wait for July when it's. 80 degrees and it's beautiful and you can just go take in a baseball game. But that would be luckily the sun was out and it was stuff was Mm -hmm. kind of melting, but it was still cold. I just don't understand why they can't play indoors. And then like all these people came after me on Twitter, like, don't you know why? And I was like, no, I don't know why. I don't know the the political atmosphere here between the Mm -hmm. stadium commissions of all three stadiums in and that's just not diligent reporting on your part. Yes, it's, it's my fault. You should have done your research. Well, we went to a uh, Gophers game inside U.S. Bank Stadium once, the baseball game, and it's very much like you're playing in your backyard because they just have, like, lines that are a home run. <laughs> and it, it's, it's really wonky in there, so I, I don't think it would quite fit the Major League Baseball standard because it's not really built to be a baseball stadium. I know, but it's, it can get but cold, it is cold out there. Yeah, it is cold. Okay, so do we want to get to our draft simulations here? We do. Okay, so if if anybody wants to do this at home, it's very fun. Super fun. It really is. So the website that does it is fanspeak.com, and you can just go and pretend that you are the Vikings general manager. It's very easy to figure out. It simulates all the other teams' draft picks, so you don't have to try to mock draft to every team. And then you just play GM. And so we've figured this is a better way to do it than trying to figure out who the Falcons are going to pick ourselves. The website just takes it. And it's quick. Yeah. Like that's the best part. I mean, in, in, you're not, see, here's the thing. You don't pull a Vikings 2002 and 2003 and you're on the clock and time runs out. Right. You, it took me 20, like what, how long was it taking me to pick my, to pick at 167, my yeah. fifth round pick? Cause we did the first five rounds and they obviously don't have a fourth round pick. It took me like 10 minutes because I was still researching which guy I wanted. But uh, you have all the time in the world once it's to you. So it's not a true draft where you'd be you know, on the clock, but it goes quickly and it's a lot of fun. When you get into the late rounds, it does take a little more research. But yeah. I think I have found a steal in the fifth round. So I want to go through our drafts here together. And then we could talk about some of the options at each pick that the Vikings are going to have because we are getting there. We are getting to draft season. It feels like this off season, we are in the lull of it, but the draft is coming up right around the corner. So I will let you go first with the 30th overall pick. Who did you select for the Vikings? I selected Will Hernandez, guard out of UTEP, the second best guard in most people's uh, draft rankings. I believe that 
um, if I did my research correctly, that Quentin Nelson was taken by, in this pick, taken by the Raiders at 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's hands down not going to be there at 30. Um, There were some other guys like James Daniels. It's the guy from Iowa who the Vikings, um, I believe they had him in on a top 30 last week. He's guard center combination. Um, He was taken at... 12 by Buffalo. Um, so yeah, I mean, Isaiah Wynn went ahead of him. So I was you know, wrong on that. So there, he was basically like the third or fourth, depending upon how you, upon how you look at the fit fourth guard that was available there at 30th. And I think it's a no brainer. I mean, every mock draft that you and I have talked about, and I think, I believe you're going to echo a similar tone is going to be offensive line, heavy mm-hmm. fulfilling that need right away at 30. So the first two dra- draft simulations that I did, that I wrote about, I did not pick a guard. I picked uh, a tight end and then I picked uh, a defensive tackle in those mm-hmm. two, because I looked at the board and felt like there were very good guards that would be around in the second round. And that's when I picked my offensive lineman for the Vikings. But in this one, I also picked Will Hernandez. Uh, oh yes. We have a match. We did not discuss this before, so we could just read and react to each other's picks. Well, look at that. But I think Hernandez is a beast for one. He's getting compared to Richie incognito mm-hmm. for his size. He's like 330 pounds, but only six two. two. So this guy is a bowling ball, but he has a great 40. He had a really good quickness drills at the, at the combine. And when you watch him play on tape, he can move, which I think is really required in this running scheme for the Vikings. And it's a really odd thing, but even though they're thought of as being the fat guys, the 40-yard dash correlates to success in the NFL. Which is why James Daniels was such a you know commodity after the NFL combine. I mean, I think he had the third um, third fastest three cone drill of his position group, and you know everything else that he showed and displaying that athleticism, plus the size too. I mean, he's three, he's six three, three oh six. Will Hernandez six two, three twenty seven. That's fifteen to twenty pounds heavier than anybody. That, um, that they had on the roster that played at guard last mm-hmm. year. That, to me, is an immediate kind of like wakes you up there, like realizing, whoa, this guy is huge, but can he be a part of this zone-blocking scheme? I think he's shown with the athleticism starting 49 games at UTEP, uh, 70, you know, a, a line that gave up 74 sacks throughout that stretch. It's the 12th out of you know all the FBS teams, it's the 12th fewest um, during that stretch. I think that really says something, and he was such an anchor among a team that honestly didn't do well. He's the brightest spot um, I think UTEP's had in years. Uh, first first round draft pick projected that they've had in, I believe, more than a decade. So, so I, li- I like him a lot. Vikings fans might remember Aaron Jones, who played for UTEP mm-hmm. and was uh, picked by the Packers, kind of had a couple of good games there last year. Well, Hernandez pointed out at the combine that when Jones was their running back, they played a zone scheme. So even though they didn't last year, they did the year before, and he has some experience in that, which you will definitely need playing for the Vikings. So I really like him as that pick as a uh, kind of a, how would you put it? Like a high floor. Like even if he's not a great, great, great player, he'll probably still be good. And he seems to have the right intelligence, the right makeup and character that would fit what they want to do. 
And I think if he was a tackle instead of a guard, you would be talking about a guy who'd be picked really high. It's just that guard doesn't have quite the value unless you're like Quentin Nelson, sure. who seems like he's just on a different level from everybody else. And I think Isaiah Wynn is pushing that category, too. I agree. I mean, he certainly, same type of measurable six, in that 6'2"-ish range. Um the reason I like Will Hernandez, too, is because he's that plug-and-play starter. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as we've talked about before, they chose financially to not go after a veteran option um, in free agency, and, and that's, that's their prerogative. They have to spend about you know almost $6 million on their draft class. They're trying to save the rest of that money to work out extensions. It's smart because you want continuity on this line. You don't just want a one-year addition where, you know, next year at this time when cap numbers really become an issue, you're scrambling then once again because you have to let a guy walk in free agency. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Hernandez is somebody that could be a multiple-year starter. I mean, you put him there at right guard. I know, you know, the length issue, um, you know, I know that's something that with 6'2 guys like Pat Alfine and Nick, Nick Easton, they wear down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings are trying to stray away from that trend a little bit of getting those prototypes, center guard, um, you know, your interior guys that kind of had the same build and same measurables. But, you know, to me, this is a no brainer. He was the best guard available when I drafted. I assume probably the same for you too. And, you know, this fills the immediate need because you can just go ahead and say, Mike Remmers, you're going back to right tackle. You're a great emergency option at guard if we need you, mm-hmm. but let's simplify this equation here and let's get, let's draft a guard right off the bat. So let me tell you who I could have picked and decided not to guys okay. who were available. And then you could tell me yours. Sure. Um, the most interesting one here, and I think this guy in real life will go a little higher than this, but Colton Miller, the tackle from mm-hmm. UCLA, was he on your board too? Yeah, he was too? on mine as well. That I, w- one, I was debating it. That one is a tough guy to pass on, and I think because the focus is so much for 2018 that just plugging in a guy like Hernandez – who you believe can play right away, make an impact right away, as opposed to Miller, where you'd be asking a rookie tackle who, from watching a game or two of his, I could tell needs work, that he's not going to be a guy who steps right in and is a top player, I don't think, in the NFL. I think he needs a lot of work before he gets there. I preferred, instead of taking the high-ceiling tackle, to instead take the guy who I believe could step right in next year because they've built this roster up to win next year. Yeah, and, and when you have an $84 million quarterback, you're going to protect him. You, mm-hmm. you need to. That needs to be your top priority, and as I agree. I think Colton Miller is a project guy. I mean, he didn't play all that much. I mean, he left school early, and you know he has right tackle experience. He has left tackle experience there at UCLA, but – to fit into that scheme if you decide you wanted to keep Remmers at guard and then have him compete right off the bat with, what, Rashad Hill and um, you know whomever else you would bring into that mix mm-hmm. at right tackle, I don't think there's enough depth on that side of the line if it was just Miller. Um, you know, Miller, Miller basically and Rashad Hill competing for that spot. I don't, you don't want that to become a revolving door. My next best, um, I mean, and this is somebody that, it brings up a good point. Billy Price, um, I was looking at him. Mm. Actually, he was among the best available before I clicked over to look at the guards itself because um, he's he's listed here as a center, um, and he can play. He thinks he's he thinks his best fit, he talked about the combine, is to play center in the NFL, but he's so versatile that he could play guard. I mean, he's played all three spots in college. Um, 
This is where people with the argument of, oh, well, they don't need to spend, you know, their first draft pick on a guard. They can get somebody in the second or third round. Yes, that's true. But the discrepancy that you have between a first when you're where you're picking in, at 30, mm-hmm. unless you trade up, which I believe we're both on the same page. And we don't think that that's going to happen. Um, at least right now. I, after last year with the number of trades they made at, at the draft, I wouldn't put it past. I think actually trading down that's, is I would think trading 30. down is more likely than trading up. That, yeah, that's where I stand. Um, but anyways, I mean, you take a look at guys like Billy Price, um, Austin Corbett, who are some other ones that were, you know, Braden Smith. Uh, James Daniels was still on James my board. James Daniels. Uh, Frank Ragnow was gone because I think he went to really? Baltimore. Oh. Um, by the time that I had picked, I'm trying to look for. That's him interesting. Right now. Frank Ragnow is from Minnesota, Arkansas yeah, center, and he's a monster. And he's six five. Yeah, that's but, the thing. The length that, that that's you take a risk by not picking somebody. I mean, he he's probably projected right now as a second to third round guy. Yeah. But in same same with Braden Smith, which that type of length at the guard spot is so unique to this draft class because there's multiple guys with it that. Maybe you could sneak one in the second round, but chances are they're definitely not going to be around by the time you pick at 62 again. And another simulation, I did pick Smith, who is out of Auburn, and he's six foot mm-hmm. six and just a, a massive guy. Ragnow is really interesting because Pro Football Focus has him as their top center and has graded him exceptionally well. And after watching back against some really good competition, I mean, this guy's playing Alabama regularly mm-hmm. in the last two years. And I mean, he's pretty good. He's pretty darn impressive. It's kind of one of those things where how do you value someone who's a center? Could he move to guard? He does have some experience playing a guard. And that that could be their strategy. It might be their strategy that they look at this class and say, you know what? Everyone loves Will Hernandez, but the difference between him and Ragnow or him and Daniels or Price isn't that much. And one of those guys is bound to be available. It's kind of like rolling the dice a little bit. Oh, and, yeah. So in this draft simulation with you and I, we didn't roll the dice. We just took the best guy available. Mm -hmm. But I see that as a very realistic possibility. And one of the reasons for that is these five or six quarterbacks in the first round, they're going to push everyone way down. down. Oh, absolutely. You might get to 30 and can't believe that there's someone there at 30 who's not a lineman and you just have to take them. I agree. And I mean, I think that that's where some of the mock drafts that we've seen, you know, most everybody is picking, at least for the Vikings right now, they're picking an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. but you can't put it past, well, you know, not that somebody like Vita Vey would be available at 30, but if there's another elite defensive tackle and you're talking about, well, maybe we're not so sure about Jaleel Johnson and, and that rotation mm-hmm. because Sheldon Richardson's here on a one-year prove-it deal and probably not going to be here next year given the financial situation as it stands right now, I think you have to go with that. In my second version, I picked Taven Bryan because mm-hmm. he's out of Florida and a guy that didn't have a ton of sacks but is extremely powerful and he had a lot of pressures. So it's kind of the same logic as Sheldon Richardson last year that if you're getting a lot of hurries and hits and pressures that eventually those will turn into sacks. And that is a very realistic possibility if he or maybe even Duran Payne is there and they want to go with that position instead. Um Let's move on to the second round, the 62nd overall pick. I will tell you first who I selected here. I went with uh, University of Central Florida cornerback Mike Hughes, and my logic behind that is he's a little bit undersized, might be a nickel guy, but I'm not necessarily worried too much about nickel or not. I think that a corner 
is necessary here because you only have three under contract right now. Yeah. And I don't know what Trey Wayne's future is. Like, long term, I'm thinking not just this year will they pick up his fifth-year option and have him through 2019, but will they do that with their cap situation? Will he want to leave and take some money somewhere else and bet on himself? Because corners are getting paid in the market if they're even halfway decent. So I, I don't really know his situation. I'm not sold on Mackenzie Alexander, who lost a job to a 39-year-old last year and played 30% of the snaps. So I like the idea of Hughes, and he had great production. It was a, a big thing for me at, at Central Florida. It's not the absolute best competition, but quarterback rating against him was 44, and he didn't allow a single pass over 21 yards last year. So I, I think that his production his size might fit for a nickel mm -hmm. if he could work into that spot and uh, i decided to go with that over a few other positions i do you want me to tell you my pick or can i chime in here with what we were talking go, about with yeah, the draft yeah go ahead with a with a take on me picking a corner in the second round i like the idea of it um todd mcshay and mel kuyper last week released their mock 4.0 mm -hmm. so that means that this is their fourth mock draft did they ever do like a 4.3 that's what i'm wondering like why why are we doing this as like sack numbers like can't can't we just say it's the fourth mock draft? But anyways, I digress. Um, obviously, both of them had offensive line as number one need. McShay picking an offensive tackle, I believe. And then um, I think somebody picked Will Hernandez. Uh, Kuiper picked Will Hernandez. Um, and then James Dan oh, Kuiper had James Daniels. McShay had Will Hernandez. Okay. All right, so that's out of the way. So that was their first round. That was their first round. Then, then Kuiper or McShay went into, he, he formulated his draft off of, uh, you know, he projected trades, which is kind of cheating, essentially, if somebody else isn't doing it too. It's tough to figure out. Yeah, but with the 62nd overall pick, he had them going with Carlton Davis, who's somebody, it's somebody I'm somewhat familiar with just from my time in the SEC. A corner. A corner out of Auburn biggest physical, just a huge specimen, 6'1". Um, you know, I just didn't understand kind of him as a press corner. Like, that to me, you know, he can provide depth in the secondary, but when your immediate need there is nickel, I don't necessarily see... He didn't play the star position, which is their nickel position um, at Auburn, because Will Muschamp was the defensive coordinator and slid him in right away. He knew you're going to be our number one corner. Mm. And that's fine, but... I just I didn't really understand what need that fulfilled right away, especially when it's pretty glaring that the nickel corner need is huge right now for the Vikings because it's there's very little certainty at the position. Alexander's entering the third year of his rookie contract. That's great. We don't know about Terrence Newman right now. Nothing right. has been decided. He's going to be 40 by the time he plays in his first game this fall. He made it a point um, earlier this offseason to say he wants to come back, but you know, there's no movement right now, mm -hmm. at least not that we know. There are still some other options. I believe we have a few more days to wait to see on RFAs. Sure. So the Bryce Callahan idea is still out mm -hmm. there. I would even like the idea of them signing a nickel who's still out there because all the nickel corners are not off the market yet. If you remember even last year, Nickel Roby Coleman, I think signed in like May or June or something. So sometimes these guys hang around at that position. There's a handful that are even uh, Bashad Breland who mm -hmm. had the foot thing that canceled his contract. He's still a free agent at this point. Dominique Rogers-Camardi. Yeah, I think, I think Breland has to wait a certain amount of days to be able to take the physical again. Right. 
So I don't know. If he hurt his foot on vacation. Yeah, he cut it. Like must have cut it really bad. Like he he was in like uh, some tropical country. I think either the Dominican or somewhere in like the um, Costa Rica area. Yeah, that's that's a tough break. That's yeah. a really tough break. But he's a good player, yeah. and if his foot is healed. So they might decide to go that route, and I would still be good with signing a corner because I feel like, A, it's one of the most valuable positions, and B, I'm not sure where Wayne stands. Would they really want to pay Rhodes what they're paying him, and then Wayne's on a contract extension? How much is he going to want? All those things play in. And so I'm good with that if you have a really talented corner that's still on the board, which I thought Hughes is. And and I agree with you because we don't know – you would think all signs point to them point picking up Trey Wayne's option because they do not want to end up in a situation where, you know, they pass on his fifth year option and they're in a situation like they have to apply the franchise tag, just like the bears did with Kyle Fuller and they're overpaying Mm -hmm. because they realize, Oh wow, this guy's kind of hitting a streak right now. We should try to keep him because it's going to be anywhere from 10 to $14 million to pick up that option. Or they could try to work out, you know, that long-term deal, which I think they would, um, they like the development that they've seen with him. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing, too. When we're talking about corners in this draft, we're not necessarily necessarily saying, oh, that's a guy who starts right away. Right. Um, at, even at the nickel position. Because, historically speaking, Mike Zimmer takes time with these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing about, oh, rookies don't play in his system. Well, Laquan Treadwell might just be an outlier there at the wide receiver position. But it's really the secondary where he kind of holds true to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So who did you have in the second round? I had Mike Jacecki, the tight end from Penn State. Still I, there in the second. He was. And I was kind of surprised by that. Um, you know, other names that, you know, I was thinking about that I wanted at the position, Dallas Goder, guy from uh, South Dakota, Hayden Hurst, who has an awesome story. I don't know if you – I retweeted something about it's it last baseball week. baseball player, Baseball right? player yeah. who – um, was dealing with a lot and then kind of just, you know, went the, um, went the bait, went the football route. So I think Bleacher Report wrote that. So it was I, a great story. I have been told that it is pronounced Goddard. Got because I wanted it to be go dirt. Like I was Joe just trying dirt. to use my French Canadian oh, okay. influence that I don't have. Cause South Dakota is kind of close to Canada. So wouldn't that, um, yeah, no, okay. no, that's North Dakota. I think is the one that's closer to Canada. I don't know. North, South I'm Let's, okay. Okay. Gasecki though is interesting <laughs> because um he demolished the combine. Mm-hmm. He didn't just like have a pretty good combine. He had a bananas hottest name roof. right at, at the tight end position coming out of there. So I went back and watched a couple of games of his and uh, he couldn't block you. Like he just is not a blocker at all. That's fine. They don't need one at this position. Correct, because they have David Morgan. He's basically a wide receiver, but he can go up and get it. He can burn linebackers. He's faster than most safeties. He's basically a wide receiver who can block enough to still play that position. He's that Travis Kelsey, Greg Olson mismatch type player, and he's got even better of an athletic profile than them. His athletic profile is similar to Jimmy Graham's. Yeah. And that is something that the Vikings have been looking for for a while and haven't really found. This offense requires it. 
I mean, everybody's talking about the addition of all these wide receivers and what depth that provides, and is it going to light a fire under Laquan Treadwell? While all of that's neither you know here nor there right now, the big picture is this offense requires a ton of different playmakers. Go look at Philadelphia. Three guys had above eight eight hundred and fifty receiving yards: Alshon Jeff- Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, and um, Torrey Smith. Um, and then, or excuse me, Zach Ertz was in there too. Right. So I mean, and you take a look at, you know, I think Torrey Smith was in like the next level there, and I mean Trey Burton. You have all of these guys who are pass catchers, and that's not even including the touchdowns that their running backs were involved with in, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the short game, especially was to get close to the red zone. So to me, this is the one glaring need that they have uh, to be able to find that move tight end, the Joker tight end, uh, for you know. For all intents and purposes, that's like the name that's called. A lot of people have different ter- terminology for it, but it's that athletic, big body tight end who doesn't necessarily have to be the traditional route. I mean, he's kind of a hybrid. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what he is. I mean, he can go up and get the ball. He's athletic. He can run routes. Um, and this is somebody who, you know, he left Penn State setting a ton of records. Um, in the tight end category. And I think that, you know, as you said, his athleticism was off the charts at the combine. If he's there, at 62, you go, you get him. I think, mm-hmm. you know, offensive line, there are more priorities there to fill that you can do in later rounds, which I did. I mean, that's a little spoiler alert, but um, I think that you have to divert path and get a tight end in the second round if uh, you can. I, if one of those three guys is available, I am 100% with you on that, especially uh, your comparison to Trey Burton of what he might be able to be. Mm-hmm. Burton was not the number one tight end, that was Zach Ertz in Philadelphia but he filled in for a couple of games and was really good and then also provided them with a unique weapon. And what I saw watching Philadelphia's offense last year, they did something similar to what Pat Shermer did, which is use two tight ends all the time. It would give you even more versatility than I think you already have to get another tight end. And then it's a succession plan too, because Kyle Rudolph is getting into his late twenties here. He's had a number of injuries throughout his career and he is limited in his skill set that he's been a reliable tight end at that position. But another guy who's not the best blocker also isn't beating anyone vertically. Mm-hmm. It's basically he's a red zone guy. And then he's kind of a they use him last year as more of like a deception type of thing on third and short mm-hmm. where they would use him on screens occasionally and short passes. And he was very effective at all that. And he really catches the ball. He, he almost never drops a pass. So there's a lot to like about Kyle Rudolph, but now you'd have him and his reliability along with a, a unique weapon there, and then maybe Gasecki would take over for him long term. Yeah, and I mean, it's a, it's a different skill set too, but maybe that's what you want with this spread concept with, you know, under these West Coast principles that, you know, it's more crossing routes, it's more, it's it's a shorter passing game necessarily, but you can also still have the guy who stretches the field because, Really and truly, they don't have that right now with the wide receiver, and that's no that's no slight on Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen. They don't have that deep threat. Um, not a not a pure deep threat. Not, not yeah, a, not your pure four yeah. four guy who's going to stretch the field and you know be you know if they wanted that number three receiver, they probably don't have that with Kendall Wright. But that's Floyd fine. Was supposed to be Floyd that was last supposed year. to be that, but it obviously didn't pan out. Um, but with your tight end position, I think that this changes the game of how you use your tight ends and using multiple tight end sets, which Kirk Cousins has done well with, historically mm-hmm. speaking. Um, 
I, I just I, I can't I'm, I'm really excited about this pick if you can't tell I no, really I, think this is going to be a great pick and you know if they do end up having him at 62 you go for it and and I mean God if you could get Hayden Hurst too at 62 I mean I think that that would be you know almost a toss-up between the two of them and I I, I just I mean he's had such a he had such a tremendous campaign um in career over at South Carolina that I think that that would be a toss-up between the two of those guys. Gusecki was not available when I did my simulation. Otherwise, I would have been on the same page with you, and then we would have had to go on match game. For people who know old game shows, match game? Match game? No? What's that? It's a, it was a really old game show, but like Betty White was on it, and they would basically have two contestants, and they would have a sentence. So it would be like... Uh, Bill is uh, really cheap. He's so cheap that blank or something or that he couldn't afford a blank. And then the uh, panelists who were celebrities, they would fill in the blank and then you'd try to match it if you were the contestant. And if you got the most matches, you won. It's like Family Feud, but worse. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a game show. So I like the, Family Feud, though. It, there, right, I, want, there is I love that, Steve Harvey and I want to push that button real fast. There is that element of <laughs> having to guess... In this case, it's what the celebrity said. In mm-hmm. Family Feud's case, it's what the audience said. But anyway, putting that aside, I, I could have picked uh, Anthony Miller from Memphis, wide receiver. I like him a lot, yeah. and that was hard not to. Uh, the other one is Frank Rag. Now, If the Vikings were to pick two offensive linemen in the first two picks, I don't think anyone's upset. No, I don't either. I mean, that's my third pick is an offensive lineman, but I just saw it as a need to be able to go in and get Jacecki when he's there. Yes, totally agree. So tell me about your 94th overall pick then. My 94th overall pick is Orlando Brown, who's a left tackle Mm. at Oklahoma. Um, I see this as one, two, and three. You're picking two offensive linemen, whether it's the first and the second pick or the third and the, you know, the first and the third, that's what I have. I don't think it will be second and third unless something crazy happens and you know, tr- truly if they do trade down. Um, but I like I like what this projects out as because then you have depth, more depth than, than you would have had last year at that position because they've only made one upgrade. Um, and I don't even know how much of an upgrade you'd call it right now, just in free agency. I mean, the one addition with Tom Compton, mm-hmm. who's your veteran swing man who can, you know, as they say, play all four positions. I don't know how much worse or better that is than what we than what the Vikings had with Jeremiah Searles last year. But at least here, you have a guy who's a proven left tackle um, in college, and you know started forty games of his career at left tackle and Big Twelve offensive lineman of the year last two seasons. I think that this is a project right now, but it's a better project than maybe some of the other, the Colton Millers, um, you know, somebody that you could probably fit in at that right tackle spot because Riley Reef's gonna be over there for a while. Mm-hmm. But you have an option there if he gets injured and, you know, if they do end up needing to move Remmers somewhere else you can have a guy that's had the experience playing, you know, on the line. And, you know, I think it, I think it would be, I think it would be a pretty good pick. I love that pick from you. Thank you. uh, Because Orlando Brown was a first round prospect at the end of the season. And when he went to the combine, it was abominable. (laughs) It was disastrous. Not good as in like what I would look like doing the combine. He had a good pro day though. He did. It was like, it was like two weeks later, he had a good pro day. And it kind of went under the radar yeah, that he had a much better pro day. He ran much faster in the 40. He jumped higher. 
I don't know what happened. Maybe he got nervous or maybe he was worn down from all of the process or whatever it might be. It was a completely disastrous combine that has dropped him out of the conversation entirely. And that's sort of frustrating when a guy is a first round prospect based on how he played, but then the underwear Olympics ends up dropping him way down. That's what stresses me out about the combine because do we really, at the end of the day, does the bench press and the fact that he did 14 reps, does it really matter? Like there was that a little, it does to a degree, but you, I think that's the stuff you take with a grain of salt. And sometimes the scouting process, there was that, I believe it was a linebacker or a corner. I can't, um, I can't recall right now, but I saw it recently. He had a private workout with a team re- uh, a few weeks ago, last week. And I think there was an injury associated with that. It's going to be out three to four months. Mm. You have all of this other game tape on this dude, yet you really need to schedule. You have the combine, the pro day, and now you're <laughs> scheduling a private workout. I mean, I understand you want to be thorough and diligent with it, um, but there's 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 a point of overdoing it. But you know, to your point, he's six eight, three hundred forty five pounds. Dude's a monster, um, and is in his. 40 da- forty yard dash time improved greatly. You ran 5.85 at the combine. Which is horrendous. That's, I could probably run that, honestly. That's Although I, not, have, I have been running recently and I'm getting faster, just to let you know. You're not even, that's not even hyperbole to say that you could run a 5.8. Like, you probably can. I, I, that's I how like, slow it was at the, at the combine. Well, he shaved off, I believe, you know, point, nearly point twenty seconds. 5.63 at his comb- at his uh, pro day and bench 225 pounds 18 times in Norman uh, versus you know the he had the 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 broad jump was uh, 80 inches from 80 89 inches from 82 the vertical jump 25 inches from 19 and a half he just had an awesome day mm-hmm. redeeming himself but that did fly under the radar because everybody was at Oklahoma's pro day for a certain quarterback right and you know I'm sure. That hurts his stock right now, but in a class where the tackles are not as, I don't know, the guard class is great, but tackle class is okay. Like, I still think that that would be a steal for them uh, in the third round because they know what they're getting. You know, sometimes people have bad days and perform badly at combines. I mean, it happens, but, you know... To me, it's to me. This would be a really good addition for the offensive line, which, in my opinion, is still number one priority. And you can fill it, you know, here and right now. You're getting your guys that you're projecting out for several years. Mm-hmm. Well, to your point, I mean, if you look at the athletic profile of guys, that there are some correlations between different events and how often they succeed. And if someone was that bad at the combine, I would have a really tough time drafting them in the first round because this is like all time bad. But in the third, I think that's a great steal. Well, and especially with the money that at each at each slot, you have to think financially too. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, definitely out of he, you know, he, that's just the that's just the price that you pay for not performing well. You cost yourself millions of dollars. Or if you're Larry Tunzel's case, you cost yourself millions of dollars for a bong picture. But at least his was, you know, based off of, um, you know, based off of, you know, a bad performance there, which... Gas you know, mask bong. Gas mask Not just bong. regular style. I mean... You just can't do I'm not here to that. judge. Yeah. <laughs> God. Who was your third round pick? Uh, I went with a edge rusher named Chad Thomas, who is from Miami. Okay. And he's a guy that's really big. And so his size kind of compares to Cameron Hayward of Pittsburgh, who plays both outside, inside, in that 3-4 scheme. Mm-hmm. Thomas wouldn't necessarily have to do that, but he was an exceptional run stuffer in college, 
got a good number of hurries, not as many sacks. He had six sacks last year and is one of the biggest and strongest players at his position and maybe a guy with development. He's talked about as being raw and it sort of reminded me of Daniil Hunter. It's a different shape of guy. He's a Mm -hmm. little shorter, but he's 275 pounds, which is massive for that position, Uh, but he's just a bulldozer. And I thought that what he would do for next year would be give some sort of versatility and help with the rotation that they want to have, but have done nothing to really show that they haven't signed anybody to add to a rotation. So that to me says, okay, if you want to have some fill in players here, or maybe someone to take over the Brian Robinson role that who comes in maybe on third down and things like that, maybe you're drafting an edge rusher at some point here too. So I went with him. Yeah. And I mean, that's something they have draft capital at this position specifically because both Robeson and um, Daniil Hunter are free agents after this season. Do I believe that they're going to make Daniil's extension? I think they're going to let him play out his rookie contract personally. Um, you know, make him, you know, defensive ends or, you know, prime defensive ends or you at a premium. You're going to want to pay that guy. You may end up having to use a franchise tag on him just because it could get that pricey. Um but I do think that Hunter is, you know, I mean, he's still, there's so much further till he gets to his ceiling. He's an incredible player mm-hmm. right now. The sack numbers last year don't necessarily reflect that, but we're not, you know, as Mike Zimmer's talked about, they don't, they don't judge it off that. So why should we? I wonder um, if they'll try to get a deal on him by signing him after he didn't have the great sack numbers you as could, opposed to waiting. But I mean, at the end of this year, I, I don't know. I still think it's safe, a safer bet to let him play out his rookie contract. Um, and make him work for it, essentially. But I do like that pick because I think that, as you said, you got your starters set across the board. You have a starting defensive line right now that can compete with the best, the Philadelphia's, the Jacksonville's, uh, and now, obviously, Los Angeles. But you don't have that rotation and that depth, that eight-guy rotation that Philadelphia has that Rick Spielman cited that by name when we talked to him after Sheldon Richardson's press conference. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the upper echelon. That's what you strive for is to be able to have those bodies so when you're 20 games in, potentially playing for a Super Bowl, you don't have – you know, guys going down mm-hmm. like, you know, the pass rush was bad last five games of the season. It wasn't there. And the other part of just the last thing to tack on for why I went with an edge rusher is Everson Griffin's not going to play forever. So you get kind of a project guy, mm-hmm. or if by some chance, Daniel Hunter wants to bet on himself and leave and hit the free agent market. That's something we haven't talked about a lot, but I think it's possible that he would do that because the price tag is going to be massive if he hits the free agent market, and I think he's already done enough to to make that interesting. So I will tell you that the Vikings don't have a fourth-round pick. Mm -hmm. So we go from number 94 to 167, and this is my favorite pick of my draft simulation. I'm going to let you go first because you're so excited. I am super excited to have drafted wide receiver Marcel Aitman, who is from Oklahoma State. And this is a guy that pro football focus is through the roof, over the moon about His grades are extremely good across the board. He had 60 catches last year, averaged 19 yards a catch. And I watched him a little bit yesterday, and he's kind of a do-it-all guy. He's got decent size, and he catches the 50-50 passes that come his way. And there's even one touchdown, a rushing play or a short screen, where he's blocking a cornerback 30 yards down the field. So a lot to like about him, and I also think that 
a wide receiver should be in the plans here. Now you drafted a tight end. Maybe I wouldn't mm-hmm. go wide receiver if I drafted a tight end, but um, if they're not going to get one of those top three tight ends, there are some really good wide receivers down the board in this draft. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that they still have that. That need is still there. Somebody, your true vertical threat, your fast guy who literally his job is to stretch the field. Um, so Kirk Cousins can throw a bomb. They don't have that need fulfilled and if you can get it in one of the later rounds I think though you're you know as we're talking fifth round at this point are are we trading off a running back potentially for the number three position because I don't know if Mac Brown's going to fulfill that I don't I mean I know that there is you know I went back and looked at his stats the other day because everybody was tweeting about that picture that was Kirk Cousins Stefan Diggs Adam Thielen people are like who's the guy on the far right I'm like it's Mac Brown like I mean we just don't know what he looks like because he never played um except he had that one he had one carry last he had year, a right? kick return kick return that's right um he didn't play a lot in Washington and he didn't play obviously played nothing here and because it was such a heavy backfield but now that Jarek McKinnon's gone they need to find that number three running back I think that's a fifth round priority I personally didn't go fit with it in fifth round it's a fifth to set fifth to seventh yeah. um potentially if they could even trade into the fourth round there are some really good um you know there are some really good prospects that would be available there so did um, Mac Brown convince Kirk Cousins to come to Minnesota? I'm going to, whoa, yeah. whoa. Wow, right? I'm going to go with no. Sorry, that just hit me real Tom hard. Tom Compton like. allegedly did because they're best friends, remember? Yeah, and, and now we see that picture with Mac Brown. So maybe it was a concerted effort from Mac Brown to be doing behind-the-scenes recruiting. Well, what Kendall Wright told us last week is that, you know, Kirk Cousins was the end-all, be-all on that riveting conference call where we learned so much about how he's going to fit into the system, which I just find funny because it's you ask these guys questions about how, you know, how, where do you see yourself, slot, outside. It's like, well, I don't really talk about the playbook. Well, what are you here for? Like, what are you, what, what are you talking about? Like, cotton candy walking around Egan? Like, I just... You know, I can't wait till OTAs. I'm I'm itching because this is this is getting a little out of control. We like, we didn't really talk about this at all, and and then we've got to get to your pick. But one year, one million dollars for Kendall Wright, dude. What steal? Look at all these receivers that have gone in like this quote unquote second wave upgrade statistically at the position and from Jarius Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're you know we're all talking about how he's projected to be playing that number three role. Yes, for all the people freaking out, Laquan Treadwell will get his shot. Like he has gotten every single year to this point. He's going to continue to get the opportunity. But Kendall Wright brings something to that position that they didn't have with Jarius Wright. And that's that, that's that pretty versatile ability to go play over the middle of the field and play outside. He's a chess piece. Just because they got a really good slot receiver for a million dollars doesn't mean he's going to take away Adam Thielen's snaps out of the slot. That's also another thing I just want to get set the record straight on well and, and this is also kind of speaks to the thing that is like my hill to die on is that fantasy stats aren't real stats or aren't mm-hmm. real football so if adam thielen has 80 catches or 75 instead of 91 that he could have just as good of a year and be just as valuable to the team if a couple other weapons take the ball away from him but also make you a better offense and you're right ken kendall right What's different about him and Jarius is not only that he's so proven in the slot, but he also had 17 catches outside mm-hmm. too last year. So he can do I think both most of those, those were things. outside on the right too. Like where. I so think, right was on the right was on the right. right. Okay. Um, 
Didn't you love how they kept his jersey number number seventeen? Yeah. Respect to respect for the fiscal decision there. It's, it's the off season. Vikings. That guy doesn't want to be sewing. <laughs> like stop. I got the draft coming up. I got lots of sewing to do. Oh man. Don't trade for any more picks like last year. Quit trading for draft picks. I've got to sew Odenabo on the back of his <laughs> jersey. Uh, so who did you select? I was thinking about a linebacker need with the fifth round pick, which is why I went with Garrett Dooley um, from Wisconsin. Some places have him as, you know, an outside linebacker, edge rusher uh, type. I mean, I think that, you know, given what he did at Wisconsin, he had a great senior season. Mm -hmm. He provides them with something that Anthony Barr is just not, you know, known for right now, which is rushing the quarterback. Um, That to me is, you know, if that's not going to change, and I know that we talked about this last year, I remember right Early in the season, though, is that are we going to start seeing them make Anthony Barr back to what he was in 2014, where you're calling these, you know, double A gap blitzes and, and throwing him in these situations where he's getting the quarterback and getting those sack numbers? Last two years, it really hasn't panned out that way. So I do think that they need that that edge that help coming off the edge in pass rushing situations, but also somebody to drop into coverage and cover, you know, bigger tight ends. You know what we saw last year a little bit in camp that they never used, that they could if they got someone like that, which is lining up Everson Griffin over the guard, which is just an impossible matchup for a guard. On on a third down pass rush situation, put him in over the guard and an outside linebacker. Because my thought was, and they did this a couple of times in camp, Barr goes on the outside against the tackle. You move Griffin inside and then maybe even Tom Johnson and then Daniil Hunter and just, wow, like look at all these rushers. But they never really did it during the season. Maybe it was just something they were showing in camp so we would talk about it and write about it and other teams would have to prepare for it. Um, But uh, it's something that I think that they should do. And Brandon Graham does that in Philadelphia and a number of other really good rushers do it too. And Everson certainly has the power to take on guards. So I I like that idea. And when we get to that late in the draft, it's like, well, what guy do you like? Mm -hmm. Because it's pretty unlikely, even though Stefan Diggs is the fifth round pick, it's pretty unlikely the guy becomes a star. So can he fill a role potentially? And what might his ceiling be? And just, does he have good tape more or less? And that's why I like Garrett Dooley because outside of the numbers and all of that, you know, he can either be your middle linebacker or he can be a strong side. You know, in, in a 4-3 scheme at the way that they have, that's, you know, a lot of versatility. And, I mean, even if he got drafted elsewhere in a 3-4 defense, he can play, um, you know, inside or outside regardless. And he had a bad senior bowl. I mean, it was, just wasn't very impressive. But I do think his senior season and that tape, um, you know, where he had seven and a half sacks is something that you really take into consideration here. Um that for me was a need-based thing because I'm trying to think of the linebacker situation, and you know, obviously you've got Barr and Kendricks, their extensions coming up, but you know, and Ben Gideon's in the second year of his rookie contract. But what other rotational help do you have, um, especially on those pass rushing downs? Mm-hmm. Because we're just not, we just, you know, last two years, and it's nothing against Anthony Barr. He's going to make Vontez perfect money or Alec Ogletree contra- uh, type contract next season once they do extend him. Because I, you know, and I'm saying that because I do believe he will be the first one extended. Yep. Um, but this is this is something that you need in that scheme in Zimmer's defense because it just didn't happen all that much from that from that position group. Yeah, I. I- 
agree, and you are losing Emmanuel Lemur. Not that that's yep. a huge loss, but it's an opening mm-hmm. for them to draft somebody there. And Ben Gideon is very one-dimensional player. He's a run stuffer. That's what they drafted him for. That's what mm-hmm. he did last year. Effectively, is coming in in run situations and doing a nice job there, but he isn't somebody who's going to rush the passer. And if you're taking long shots at guys, why not take a long shot at someone who might be able to pick up sacks for you? or pressures in some sort of role. So, well, I think you did a good job. I Thanks. Would, I had fun with this. This is awesome. I would give you a high grade for this. I think if the Vikings came away with that draft, I think fans are over the moon about getting a high potential tackle, fill-in guard right now, plug-and-play, and then a, tackle, or a, a tight end who can make plays, and whatever happens in the fifth round happens in the fifth round. So yeah. I grade you a uh, B plus. Hey, B plus is above average, well above average. Do, do you want to grade my draft? I as do well? like your draft a lot. I would give it probably just because the wide receiver, and I can't blame you for there not being a tight end on the board, mm. um, or at least one that you weren't gonna, you weren't too hot about. I'd probably give it a B. Um, Hater. Because I want to have uh, the higher grade. No, I'm kidding. Um, I do like the. Um, I'm look at your pick. You're trying to think what your fifth round pick was that you were it was foaming a, at the mouth about. <laughs> Marcel um, Aitman, the wide receiver. I, I like that. I think that's a steal. And I do like the Mike Hughes pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, since we both had Will Hernandez, I'm just kind of looking at the rest of this. I mean, Ed Rusher, certainly, certainly a need for the development of guys down the road with the future. I do like Mike Hughes. I just don't know where he's. I mean, I would assume you'd play, you know. He could is he is he an outside corner right now if they wanted him to be but or is this guy or is this guy going to fill in in the slot I do like the versatility and kind of that unknown area that we know I, I think if you were going to rip one of the picks it'd be that one it, it, I kind of like it though I like a say, cornerback in the second yeah. round because you know and that's why when I looked at uh, Todd McShay's thing last week I mean at first it kind of startled me being like. Do you know that they don't, you know, who they have outside right now? They love their corners. They love their 6-1 corners and their physical guys that you can, you know, he doesn't have experience playing nickel. Maybe they're just going to go with it somewhere else. I mean, Mackenzie Alexander was projected as an outside corner, was he not? They loved him as an outside corner, and then he kind of fit into, he didn't grab hold of the nickel role, but that's where he was kind of pushed towards. So I think that the unknown factor there is really fun Um, and, you know, could yield some good things in the draft. But yeah, no, I thought it was a good draft. I mean, certainly, um, you know, only we did only did five rounds. Wait until we get to like all of their like 40 picks that they have in the seventh round. If we like do this whole thing out. Oh, we are uh, by the end of this, we are simulating seven rounds. Oh, I can't wait because they've got how many picks in the seventh right now? Four. uh, Was it, is it three in the sixth? Thought it was three in the three in the six. And then they had some comp picks. Yeah. Those were six, Um, six round. Yeah. Yeah, they've got a lot of late round guys. Which at that point, are you? You're just throwing darts. Like that's last year, they traded all those times, and they ended up with I don't know. We had the Jack Tocho, a Fadio Denebo. We should give away a prize if someone remembers all the seventh round. Picks was Bucky Hodges a fifth sixth, round or sixth round guy? Sixth, sixth. Okay. I know you were super high on him for um, <laughs> a good portion of last uh, preseason. That is one way to put it. Uh, he did uh, land with the New York Jets, hey, so we'll see him. if he actually makes the team. Uh, so I encourage everyone to go to fanspeak.com and play around with this and tweet us. Take, it's so fun. Do your draft sims. Tweet us. We'll grade them for you. We Live will... like an off-season NFL <laughs> reporter. Sit on your couch and mock draft your day away. Yes, exactly. So, uh, well, do that. Tweet us. Uh, grade our drafts also, and we will talk to you next time on the Purple Podcast. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.